Bang, bang. What is up, you guys? Welcome to this very special bonus episode of the PWT cast. As some of you guys may know, over on our Patreon, Stank and I do a movie review show entitled Scrump and Stank's Family Video. And uh, this week, we decided to drop uh, our episode for free, uh, mainly because it's uh, we're talking about 1995's Mortal Kombat. And with uh, the new Mortal Kombat hitting HBO Max today, as you're hearing this, uh, we thought it would just be fun to, you know, give you guys a little preview of what you can expect over on the patreon uh for as low as five bucks you can sign up and hear stink and i talk about movies every week you know so far we've done um disney's atlantis the lost empire we've done fargo we've done forrest gump we've done the shawshank redemption um did i mention fargo we've done uh the 2017 Power Rangers reboot, as well as the Truman Show. And we have a lot of fun other movies lined up with, uh, you know, PWT cast members, people who subscribe to a $20 Patreon, which, hey, that's also a thing you can do. Uh, but yeah, you know, we got together with past guest Juan David, who's been on the show before. And yeah, we're very excited to bring you this. So uh, as a thank you to everyone who's helped get us to 90 episodes so far as of this week, um, you know, we just wanted to give you this little preview. So I'm going to stop talking without any further ado. Um, enjoy some Mortal Kombat. Bang, bang, what is up, you guys? Welcome to this week's episode of Scrump and Stank's Family Video. I'm, of course, Scrump. This is Stank. And this is a very special uh, episode this week. Um, with the release of Mortal Kombat coming out, uh, Dave and I, for a while we've been talking, we said we have to talk about the 95 Mortal Kombat. It is, uh, I love it. It, it. This is one of those films that just straight up reminds me of my childhood. Um Anytime I see that New Line Cinema logo, I, all I can hear is like the Mortal Kombat music start to play. <laughs> and if it if it's any other movie and that doesn't come up, it's always a little just bit of a disappointment. Uh, but you know, I figured, hey, we're gonna do Mortal Kombat. We need to bring the Mortal Kombat expert. Um, we've had this gentleman on before in the past. Uh, he, he works over at Sci-Fi Wire. He does a bunch of fun stuff over there, including those uh, Everything You Didn't Know videos that I'm always always talking about. It's always fun. Go back and revisit you know some of your old childhood cartoons um those videos are always fun but i'm of course talking about uh the great and powerful juan david juan how are you doing my man yo what's going on i'm good man thanks for having me on no of course good i'm to be back i mean like i mentioned it, it was one of those things where like even the last time we recorded i think we brought up mortal Kombat, and like just from the videos you would do over you know at, at sci-fi wire like mortal Kombat was clearly something you were like a huge fan of so like it was, oh, yeah, it, was, dude. it was no doubt when we were like, all right, we're going to talk like in some Christopher Lambert that I was like, I got to I got to bring him on. Um, plus, you've had the honor of like talking to Paul W.S. Anderson like about the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Like the one of the, the, the last things I did at the end of 2020 was interview uh, Paul W.S. Anderson, Robin Yu, uh, Robin Shu, uh, Lyndon Ashby. And just like I legit was like a nerding out the entire time asking them like the nerdiest questions about the movie and it was it was awesome like they were so into it and it's nice and refreshing because like most i think actors look back at stuff and like they don't even care anymore because it's been so long but they embrace it which was really dope and it was just me standing there with a smile on my face the whole time listening to them talk about like behind the scenes you know like chatter and memories and it was it was it was awesome. Um, so that was, definitely was like a highlight of my career. 
So with Mortal Kombat, I mean, with we'll just I guess we can talk about it like as a whole. Like, what's kind of your guys's like history with it? Like, we we can start with you, Dave. What, what's your history with Mortal Kombat? So, like, I feel like I grew up uh, probably at the height and the golden age of arcades. You know, like you know, everyone thinks of like Donkey Kong and Cubert and asteroids but like for me you know fighting games were like really huge so you had like street fighter 2 street fighter 2 turbo you know of course mortal Kombat and all those games and you know it was kind of like a real highlight of my childhood going to an arcade and you know playing against everyone at the arcade in these fighting games so um and then just also like when mortal Kombat first came out it looked so much different than the other games uh because it was kind of photorealistic and then it, they really focused on the blood and then like the first time seeing someone in the arcade pull off a fatality, you're like, what the hell is this game? So, um, and also on top of that, there, there was all the secrets that they packed into the lore of the game. And then, you know, you would see Dan Forden pop up and yell toasty and they're like, everyone's like, what does this mean? What, Oh, why is Santa Claus going in front of the moon over the pit stage? And so, you know, it was a really fun time because like the internet wasn't very prevalent and everyone had theories on how to unlock reptile or, you know, all different types of secrets. So I remember that being a big thing. And I also remember, um, like a lot of parents having a lot of trouble with the violence in the video game and that being a real big deal. Um, and then fast forward to the mortal Kombat movie coming out. And I don't know about you guys, but like anytime I hear, the words Mortal Kombat together, I instantly think of that iconic dance theme from the movie. Like they're, yeah. inse- they're, they're inseparable at this point. So, um, no, it was really cool. And, you know, nowadays, you know, we have an embarrassment of riches when it comes to, you know, IPs, you know, mostly comic books now, but like, you know, we never really had that good of a video game adaptation. Uh, famously, Super Mario Brothers was kind of a stinker, even though I, I kind of like it. But um, <laughs> just seeing something like this that you didn't even think could be possible, especially with like a character like you know Prince Goro, um, and then just to see it realized was really cool. And you know, we'll get into it. You know, when we talk about it, you know, during this episode. But like at the time, some of those computer graphics were like cutting edge and unbelievable. And then now. Now that we know a little bit more about computers, they look a little bit laughable and a little dated. But um, definitely Mortal Kombat, the movie, is a product of its time. But when you watch it, it instantly transports you back to, like, being younger. What about you, Juan? What's your – because I know you're a big video game guy. So what's kind of your history with uh, Mortal Kombat? I, I like to echo a lot of things that that Stank just said. It's the same thing for me. Like, I – you know, I grew up at the same time where arcades, like – you know, I spent so much time in laundromats because, like, laundromats was one of the biggest places that always had arcades. And I would just be, you know, just pouring quarters into arcades at laundromats. And, like, again, back in those days, there were also, like, the arcades where it's, like, the, just a big place where it's just arcades, you know, from the front of the store to the back. And Mortal Kombat was definitely one of those that I was attracted to, like we all were, I guess, just because it was so different. And... You know, like Stank said, there was no internet, but word of mouth was like the way you found out about everything from your friends. And it was like, yo, have you played Mortal Kombat? And it's like, no, what's that? It has blood. That's all I know. It's like, what has blood? Like, say no more, fam. I'm I'm there. And like, you're like watching, you know, like you, everybody's gathered around like one cabinet. And I remember 
watching people play Mortal Kombat, waiting for my turn, and, you know, like, you're kind of soaking in the characters and the violence of it, and, like, the announcer, you know, like, the the finish him and excellent, that stuff is just so different. It was just such a change-up from Street Fighter that we were used to, because Street Fighter was so colorful, and Mortal Kombat was almost, like, the opposite, and I remember, you know, like, there's like certain games you have that till today carry over where like you still remember how to do certain things. So like if you play Mortal Kombat 1 now, like I still know how to use Scorpion and do like, you know, the old spear and like block up up is like his like OG fatality and all that good stuff. And then, you know, after Mortal Kombat 1 and 2 and then when that movie finally came out, it was I don't I don't think I was jaded because of Super Mario Brothers cuz I I love that movie. I know how bad it is. I acknowledge how bad it is perceived and why is you know seen as a bad movie but i love it so i wasn't jaded i was like excited like great another movie about video games and looking back at it now it definitely is the first good one we got and for a while the best one we ever got to be completely honest because like i think as a video game fan you're always looking for those video game movies to age just like just pay homage to the movie and make it as accurate as possible for fans so we kind of know that you take take it seriously right and that movie for the most part did all that which is i think why it's so regarded you know for us in our age group to this day that we all remember it and look back at it fondly i think oh no go ahead yeah and, and i mean it's definitely like and i'll also always say like this, this top five favorite movies for me I, I so, definitely think there's something you guys both been touching on is like how just how how it remains just like iconic to us because I mean like even with me I I didn't play much of the Mortal Kombat video games like with me it was I played a lot of Tekken Crash Bandicoot whatever games that my cousins had you know because they're they were the ones who had the PlayStation we did it so it was just whatever they had um, but like occasionally like Mortal Kombat it was just you know it was one of those games where it would it would be played. If I've played Mortal Kombat at an arcade, it's now been at like a barcade or something where they have that kind of stuff. Um, but with the movie, like I specifically remember that, like I, I just like very vividly to the point where uh, when I was in kindergarten, I wanted to be Scorpion for Halloween so bad. That was all I wanted. <laughs> and uh, I remember I, I so I got to be the I, I got the costume. And I remember telling my aunt like right before we were going out trick or treating, I was like, yeah, I'm like, you have to paint paint my eyelids white she's like what i'm like paint my eyelids white that way when i close my eyes like i look like scorpion so we're sitting there and she winds up painting like almost like raccoon circles around my eyes and i was just (laughs) like oh oh my god um and then you know it was just like oh whatever but then i remember actually going into class and i like i felt cool because there was a lot of like repeating costumes um especially as like as it pertained to mortal Kombat, but i was like the only scorpion so i was just like fuck yeah um but yeah no like it, especially going back and looking at this movie it's kind of like you mentioned it's not like dave mentioned the graphics um definitely, <laughs> definitely not the best you know like uh especially when like reptile is introduced you're kind of just like, yeah <laughs> you're just like oh yeah or even like you look at goro and i know juan in the video that you um did with uh paul ws anderson like he talks about how um you know they, they were still using animatronics and they're mm-hmm. like there is still a charm to that kind kind of stuff like i know in the the trailer for this newest one goro is cg and i'm like that that's fine you know but but there is still something 
like you watch this movie and it is like yeah it, it kind of just takes you back to the 90s where everything about this you know from the the, the music to like the corny you know one-liners from you know would be it Liu Kang or, or, or Johnny Cage it's just like it is just very much a product of its time and like mm-hmm. you know both of you guys have daughters who are about about the same age like I don't know if they could watch this movie and be as appreciative of it as we are because especially now like again dave you mentioned like we're spoiled we're like every fucking every movie property uh now is based on like a game or a book or something so they've you know they've kind of done it all and like you know there's always the opportunity of oh okay we made a we made this movie based on this video game it flopped all right we'll wait two years everyone will forget and then we'll we'll relaunch it again as opposed to like, um, you know, in the interview with Juan, like, you know, he, uh, Paul W. Sanderson, he talked about how like everyone wanted to do Mortal Kombat, but like nobody really took it serious, which is why he took it upon himself to like, no, 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 I'll do it. And like he since then, you know, he, he's done like the Resident Evil movies. So clearly like video game movies are his thing. Um, but yeah, like I know some people, some, you know, uh, very film enthusiasts will be like, no, it's not that good. But like, I definitely think this movie holds up. Like I had so much fun watching it, you know, for the umpteenth time yesterday that like, again, it's just, it's, it's super charming. And the one thing, the one thing I'll say that sticks out to me the most is just that, that iconic song, you know, the OG theme that I know they've changed up. I don't know if you guys have heard like the, this new theme that they have uh, for it. It's close. Yeah. Yeah. It's an homage which it's very much like like dave you know we talked about uh like in for the power rangers reboot how they should have just kept goldar or rita like similar costumes i very much feel like should have just kept the song you know like that's one of those yeah. things that i'm like well, why it's not broken yeah, yeah. If everyone if they would have heard that if they would have heard the original mortal Kombat theme in the reveal trailer people would have lost their shit yeah i think also you know what it is too like you, you gotta like I think as fans, we think about that kind of stuff all the time. But when you put like your uh, your artist hat on and you're one of the people who are making these things, you kind of yeah. want to put your stamp on it and not kind of live too much in the past, if that makes any sense. Like I see like from our angle, I totally see it because like you guys are right. If you heard that song, you like collectively would all lost our shit when we were when we first saw it. Right. But yeah. putting my artist hat on. You know, I could see why somebody would be like, look, I'm making this Mortal Kombat thing that I really like, that it's been a long while since we've seen it done right. But I also don't want to live in the past and I want to put my stamp on it kind of. So I, I kind of see like where that kind of line is, you know, drawn. Um, having said that, like there's definitely little things that you could already tell they're paying homage to like the old movies, right? And like the trailer and the game itself, which is again like going back to like as fans, like you're always looking for that authenticity and those, you know, that connective tissue that shows that, you know, tender love and care went into making this movie for the fans by fans. Yeah. No, de- <clears throat> definitely. Cause like even with like, like, like take into account superhero movies, like we're, you know, we're all fans of, of the superhero movies, like those movies as, as well. Like you look back at some of those early ones and like, like i i like the the two fantastic four movies that came out a few years back you know with uh with chris evans but those those done now like way less campy like a little bit more serious um and that's just how the like the films are done then like you look at those uh 
even like Sam Raimi's Spider-Man, which uh, I love the second one. And then, you know, the first two are, are good. And then there's that third one, you know, where uh, with emo Peter. Um, <laughs> but like, look at those compared to the ones we've gotten since then. It's definitely like, oh, okay. Back then it was, and Sam Raimi has since come out and said like, no, 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 like I love Spider-Man. Um, but that like hasn't always been the case, especially with these comic book movies, these um, video game movies. And it is like like you mentioned in that trailer. There, there's so much like go on YouTube and find you know 101 things you missed in the trailer, and people will like break down like the smallest details of like, oh, this is how they're paying homage to you know this from this very specific game or this from that very specific thing. And even then, like it seems like, and I know we're talking about the 95 one, but even with this newer one, it seems like kind of Juan you mentioned like artistic liberties and changing things up. Like they're very much introducing a new character, and when trying to like reboot uh, a franchise that people are well aware of, like um, I know there has been some pushback where people are just like, "No, like we want the like the original story, you know, we want like Luke Kang and everything. it's like I I kind of don't mind it because I, like the way I kind of see it is like, listen, they can do whatever they want with this movie, but it. Like, at the end of the day, if I hate it, if I don't like it, well, I can just come back and, you know, watch this one, this 95 one. Well, yeah, like, I, I think, too, you'll hear a lot of people complain about new versions of stuff. And, uh, like, what's the one thing you always hear? They're ruining my childhood. And that's not the case. I mean, everything you love from your childhood is still available and probably available in a better aspect ratio and higher definition than you ever watched it before. So... You know, and, you know, we've discussed this when we talked about other movies that sometimes not everything is for you specifically. Mm-hmm. So um, if another gen- if if another generation gets to experience Mortal Kombat in a different way and, you know, with better knowledge of graphics and movie pacing and, you know, all the technology that we've we've come to know and love, that's not necessarily a bad thing. And, and like you said, you can always just go back and buy Mortal Kombat. The, you know the OG one and remember all the things that you like from the past so um I think I think there's this just weird running theme with a lot of fans of a lot of fandoms and properties that just they're like no I don't like this Transformers isn't G1 and it, you know I'm one of those people too I like G1 Transformers and Michael Bay wasn't my favorite but there's a whole universe of people that only know the Michael Bay Transformers and love them so um hey the, the more people you can bring into the fold the better exactly like that's also too because like when the trailer came out although it was widely everybody was like super positive about it you know there was always like there's always going to be like with the internet now there's always going to be a corner of the world where it's just going to be just more criticism than anything because that's just what gets clicks but it was like people yeah. were like oh why is he saying it over here it should be why are they not using ed boone's voice who's the one who originally you know said you know right. get over here in the games and it's just like come on dudes like like that we're gonna we're gonna split hairs about that like yeah. You know what I mean? Also, but these when these movies come out, like as fondly as we look back at the 95 Mortal Kombat, there is kids now who will see this and then this is their 95 Mortal Kombat. So yes. let like let let that be fresh for them to have that base. You know what I mean? And I just think today now, like everybody just like wants to dwell on what they don't like instead of like what they do like and the positive side it, it you know it's unfortunately just kind of the way it is and how the internet works which is unfortunate but like i you know generally 
I just try to like dwell on the positive and just the fact that we're getting these movies, period. The fact that we're getting another Mortal Kombat movie is awesome with the technology we have now is just great. And it's just like a different look. You know, like we got 95 and that was a product of its time. Now we're getting a 2000, you know, 2020 version of that, especially since that franchise has grown exponentially since 95. Like it's not the same Mortal Kombat they use as a base for that movie in 1995. So, like, right. there's so much more lore, so many more characters, so many new moves, fatalities, costumes. Like, it should be nothing but, you know, excitement. So, like, I rather, like, I just always think about, like, the, the positive side of things and not, like, the negative sides. Are there things that I'm just like, oh, man, they should, maybe I would have done it like this? Absolutely. But I'd rather just concentrate on, like, I can't wait for, you know, the the Sub-Zero stuff just looks, already looks so fucking dope. Yes. You know? And I'd rather just concentrate on, like, how dope everything's going to be and how the choreography looks like it's going to be solid and the story. Because a lot of what happens a lot with these movies are that heavily video games and, you know, like talking about Paul W. Sanderson for a minute, you brought him up how he's done almost nothing but video game movies like throughout his career ever since. Like a lot of the times these video game movies, everything that most of the things that suffer is the story, the narrative. Right. Because everyone is so concentrated on making it look good and also look authentic that the story kind of falls by the wayside because of, you know, people just go by notoriety. Like, all right, that's a Monster Hunter movie. I'm going to watch it because it's Monster Hunter. But then you watch it and it's like, damn, the story was kind of not that great. Or, you know, the Resident Evil movies where like the stories were not because I remember watching the first Resident Evil movie. I'm like, wait, how come they're in the mansion for only like the first five minutes of this? Like, what, yeah. what, what are we doing here? Right. And again, like a lot of, of that movie is authentic to the Resident Evil, you know, ethos, but it's not exactly matching the games that we played. And I feel like that's kind of, you know, the more the complaint with video game movies is that the story always kind of falls by the wayside. And in this version of Mortal Kombat, it looks like they're going very much to the roots of Mortal Kombat. So, you know, again, like it's I just would hope more people would concentrate on the positive things than, you know, the negative Wow. Well, and and that's the that's the thing too, you know that I I think seems to stick with video game movies as a genre is that they re- they really haven't nailed down how to do the story and the lore and characterization that you know we know and love in the games mm-hmm. and then translate that into a coherent movie like Super Mario Brothers is probably the most famous prime example like there's some lip service to names and characters and things in the game, but like, you know, like King Koopa, for instance, everyone's like, what was that? Same thing with like the resident evil movies. Like you said, like, um, there's certain characters that you recognize, but they almost seem tokenized. Like, Oh, we, we get, we threw you a bone. Here's this character in this movie. Uh, doom was another example. And that just seems to be very pervasive in a lot of, um, video game movie specific movies um mm-hmm. and that's that's what i like most about seeing the you know in the trailer of the new mortal Kombat. i know we're talking a lot about the new one but um but for instance like the rivalry between sub-zero and scorpion in the in the 1995 movie <laughs> you know they kind of said oh these guys are bitter rivals but now you know under my power they work for me and like that was one of my gripes when I first watched it. I was like, why are they working together? And like this, none of the, you know, so while they did get authenticity points throughout the first movie, there was a lot of stuff that they really deviated off of, uh, you mm-hmm. know, from the actual game. So like 
that's the thing. Like when you look at stuff like this with rose colored glasses, you also got to acknowledge, Hey, that first one, they really, they mixed up a lot of stuff themselves too. So see, but I, I feel like kind of with, with newer, they're kind of starting to get it right now. Cause like, uh, Son- yes. Sonic from what was like last year, or the year before, like that one, I felt was like as close as they could get to like, okay, cool. You nailed it. Or even with like detective Pikachu, you know, like it, it, it did the job of like establishing that world the best they could short of like, um, you know, Hey, this is this, this kid's name is, uh, red and he's going to travel around, you know, like they couldn't do that. But like with those two movies specifically, like I felt like they kind of did it, but Juan, like you mentioned something that I kind of wanted to touch on where it's like, at a certain point, you got to realize, like, yeah, think think of it positively as, like, at least we're getting some. Because to many fans, the only Mortal Kombat anything you were ever going to get were, you know, Mortal Kombat and, uh, and Annihilation. And that was it. But uh, if I don't know if you guys remember, it was about 10 years ago on YouTube. They had, a, it was like a trailer, mm-hmm. it was like an 8 mm-hmm. 10 trailer for Mortal Kombat Legacy, which led to it it was definitely more grounded if it kind of felt like christopher nolan's take on like the mortal kombat franchise um but that led to like uh i believe it was like a two season like youtube show did you guys watch any of that at all yeah yeah it was I think, <laughs> and i think this movie doesn't get made if those don't exist to be exactly like that yeah. though like this movie is you know because of that the success of that series and where that took the the franchise for sure. Yeah, like, I definitely think, and this is also something that I think is very specific to video game properties and, you know, cinematic experiences, that, like, they do very well on things like YouTube. Like, you'll you'll see, um, you'll see people doing their own version of, like, Street Fighter fights, you know, they'll have, like, Akuma versus Ryu. And then they'll just they'll stage a beautiful ten minute fight with like a mini story, and then fans are like, "Yes, we want more of this." And then you you can take that little nugget that you know didn't cost anything budget wise, but it really incepts the idea in the fandom, and then it really sparks you know a fire. And uh, Legacy was one of those things where everyone just was just talking about, "Wow, this is a really good take on." Mortal Kombat, can we see more of this? And it kind of snowballed, and, and, you know, now we've got this final product that we're going to see. I remember that Mortal Kombat Legacy series, like, it was pretty good. Like, I, I remember the, the, that trailer specifically, like, was one of those things that, like, we would, like, me and my friends would kind of pass around, like, no, like, there's no way they're going to make this into, like, a serious thing, right? Because, like, by that point, uh, like, we're, like, hanging out at each other's houses and, like, playing it, you know, like, religiously and stuff like specifically because to, like i i think i've mentioned it to you dave but like i grew up like not too far from like uh we're the, from midwest uh games like I, literally midway, yeah yeah from midway we would like walk by there you know not all the time but it was it was definitely like somewhere we would walk by and like even remember as kids were like you, th- you think that's like where they make video games or what like because they had they would they had like the logo outside so it was definitely one of those things where it's like is nah they don't make video games here you know like as a kid like you can't contemplate that like yeah they literally make video games a few blocks away from you know where, where you live and stuff um but yeah no i mean i guess we can kind of like talk about the movie a little bit um again it's um directed by paul ws anderson comes out in 95 it starts uh 
Robin Shu. Was that mm-hmm. as Luke Kang, Christopher Lambert as Lord Raiden, uh, Lyndon Ashby as Johnny Cage, Carrie Hiroyuki Tagawa as Shang Sun, Bridget Wilson as Sonya Blade, uh, Talisa Soto as Katana, Trevor Goddard as Kano, and that, that's kind of just the main people that that I wrote down because um, everyone else is kind of just like you know it, that, that's also one of those things too where kind of looking back. That it's weird that they focus so much. Like, I mean, clearly now you see they're doing this version of this movie now, and they're focusing very heavily as they should on like Scorpion and Sub Zero. Um, but like, if you went into that, the, into this movie, like not knowing any of the lore, not knowing anything, like you would have no idea that these two guys were as big as characters as they were. Because in this movie, they primarily focus on Shang Sun as Goro, even Kano to an extent as like the main, you know non-human characters um which again very weird because even as a kid i was just like that that, that's something doesn't um doesn't fit right um but you know what i so the interesting thing to me that i've always uh kind of thought about like johnny cage was how he he's basically jean-claude van damme you know Mm -hmm. yes he's essentially modern after jean-claude van damme and uh while looking up some trivia he actually uh turned down the role of johnny cage to do the street fighter movie which again just what one of those random things that i'm just like oh like that that would have been awesome i guess you know i mean not that like Lyndon ashby didn't do a good job which like i think that that that's kind of one of the things too like i feel as cheesy dialogue aside i feel like everyone in this movie does good in the role that they're in you know like, well, it's weird too. It's weird too the Jean Claude connection because, like, if I know my Mortal Kombat history right, I think they were trying to make a Jean Claude Van Damme fighting game originally, and they couldn't yep. get him to sign off, and so they just they made Johnny Cage as basically the Jean Claude character, and then just made Mortal Kombat. So it would have it would have been so cool to see that come full circle, and then him actually be Johnny Cage in the movie. But you know. That's, that's kind of the story with uh, Jean-Claude. There's a lot of weird missed opportunities that he's had in his career, uh, you know, to make other properties. But uh, that definitely would have been awesome. For sure. I mean, it's also too like, I feel like if they present you with Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat, you yeah. know Street Fighter. It, yeah, exactly. It's like, <laughs> especially like if you're not a fan and you're like, all right, you better explain both of them to me so I can make an educated decision. And you kind of get the thesis of both. I'd go with Street Fighter 2 just based on, you know, the numbers and, you know, Mortal Kombat also already had that stigma that it was a violent video game and it was like very much in the middle of the whole rating system and like should our kids be playing this stuff and Street Fighter wasn't. So like from a business side, I would see why anyone would choose Street Fighter over Mortal Kombat so I don't fall in for it. Having said that though... It would have definitely been interesting since he was the basis of the Johnny Cage character and they were trying to make a junk on, you know, fighting yeah. uh, video game. It's just so interesting how, how that works out. But like Lyndon Ashby is like my favorite version of Johnny Cage that we've ever gotten. So I'm not complaining. Juan, have, have you ever heard of the story of uh, Jason David Frank and Jean-Claude Van Damme? I've heard. OK, kind of, but not in depth i know there's like some yeah thing between them so we we talked about it on an earlier episode where we were reviewing uh the the power the 2017 power rangers reboot or no we were doing 
Uh, Power Ranger show. Yeah, yeah, we have like a little Power Ranger mini series where we just talk random Power Ranger stuff. Mm-hmm. And we talked about it there. Um, which I know is a little off topic, but it is always a fun story. So apparently, at the premiere for the uh, '95 Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movie, that's where this beef starts. Like Jean Claude Van Damme and J.C. David Frank. I forget what exactly the beef was, but it was it was definitely on like Jean Claude Van Damme's part. It was him just being a shit king. And then mm-hmm. cut to there's uh, Comic Con in Mexico years later. And Jason David Frank, he's in the green room with his people, Jean-Claude Van Damme, and his entourage of 20 people. Uh, they they show up and they're like, hey, is it cool if, you know, we share the green room with you? Um, Jason David Frank's like, yeah, that's fine. You know, whatever. Uh, so they're, you know, they're, they're in the green room. They're both being kept apart. Uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme's agent comes over. He's like, hey, you know, uh, Jean wants to talk to you, wants to take a photo and stuff. And at jason and frank says sure thinking this is going to be their way of kind of just you know mending things and fixing things uh instead there's a camera crew and it's again john claude trying to like punk him out and stuff like that words start getting exchanged and uh john claude van damme's like uh, or jason david frank challenges into a fight and john claude's like yeah sure so jason david frank throws him up against the wall and was just about to beat the shit out of john claude van damme but then I think like you, you, there's a video and you hear everyone kind of just like scuffling around it, getting broken up. Uh, but yeah, it was one of those things where like Dave and I talked about where like it's uh, with a lot of these That's like amazing. with a lot of these older dudes, you know, like like Stallone and Seagal and like Jean Claude Van Damme, where it's it, a lot of them still think that they're like at their peak and uh, it's just one of those wild stories where you're like, yeah, of course, of course he would try to fucking fight the Power Ranger because he probably thinks that like. He could kick his ass, but like this guy's like a double black belt. Like, no, dude, what are you, what are you doing? Um, it also makes perfect sense within like the '90s way of the way action stars were treated and held like on this pedestal, and they believe their own hype. Like the 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 stories of behind the scenes of actors in the '90s is so ridiculous. With like the writers, you know, like they had to have certain things in their trailers and in their contracts. Like, you don't hear about that kind of stuff nowadays much because everything is so out in the open on social media. So, like, I got to believe a lot of that stuff probably exists, but super on the low so that it doesn't get out. But in the 90s, it was just, like, like lore. You know what I mean? And the egos were just out of control. So that story makes perfect sense where... Well, well, famously, the only reason we get a Hobbs and Shaw movie is because The Rock and Vin Diesel don't get along. Which is weird because, like, who doesn't get along with that man? <laughs> like, 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 like the rock is like the night. Like, I mean, you know, none of, like, I don't know him, you know, in real life, but like from everything I've known and read and, you know, secondhand accounts and everyone who's ever worked with him in wrestling and in movies, no one has a bad thing to say about that man. So like, yeah. what's like, you know, like it's, it's weird to form an opinion when you're not there, you know, and you're not even part of any of that, of those circles. But like, it's just like, since I heard that whole story, I'm like, who, cannot get along with this man yeah it's very wild like again i'm surprised more things like that don't come out of like oh man you don't want to work with this person because of you know this this or that but when i heard that specific story about like vin diesel and the rock he was very much just like like you mentioned it's it's a head scratcher because you're like dwayne the rock johnson was was that unbearable and there was like those set videos where like it was like vin diesel and i think like tyrese were just like He's trying to break up our family, like very, very much just like, oh, like you're take you're you're like you're taking this a little way too serious, aren't you? Um, well, now, and here's the thing too, like 
I don't know about you guys, but on on no version of any multiverse planet does Vin Diesel ever beat up the Rock ever. Oh yeah, there's no yeah. Yeah, the Rock is so yoked up, and he you know he was a football player, and you know he's got all that wrestling experience. I know I know it's predetermined, but you know it's an athletic endeavor. I I think the Rock would uh, pummel Vin. Well, also knowing like the Rock's history, even before wrestling, like he was sort of like a crazy dude, like. Yeah, the stories of him biting people and like knocking people out with like one punch, like yeah, like he legit, like he he's a nice guy. And he seems to be a nice guy uh, by all accounts, but like he's definitely on that list of like, yeah, I wouldn't really fuck with him though. Especially now that he's as big as he is. Like there was that one yeah. video where his front gate wasn't working, so he ripped it out of the wall. Yeah, like. This, yeah, he's ridiculous. Like, this man probably got, like, a dose of the super soldier serum, and we just weren't told, because this man literally just ripped, like, a metal gate out of a wall, you know, because he needed to get to work. Like, it's one of those things where I'm like, I, I like, again, I like Vin Diesel, you know, Groot's awesome. I can't imagine him being able to to do any of that. Um, let's just do, like, a quick little, like, walkthrough of Mortal Kombat. Again, it's... This is, uh, it, it won't be, you know, scene by scene and exactly every little thing. But, uh, yeah, if you guys have any, you know, anything to, to throw in while, while we're doing it, uh, by all means. Um, the movie, of course, opens with the famous, you know, New Line Cinema logo. And, like, I think one of, like, the cooler just intros to any movie. You know, they're just they're just playing the song, which, uh, again, we keep mentioning the song. It's, uh, let me look it up real quick. Um, the Immortals. The Immortals. There you go. The Immortals. I believe that the uh, it was like two weeks before uh, the soundtrack to this movie. Yeah, the film so- soundtrack goes platinum in less than two weeks, um, which again, uh, very very much just of its time. Every like this soundtrack sounds almost like every other '90s, you know, like mid '90s well, soundtrack for an action movie. So many songs cribbed a lot of their stuff from the Mortal Kombat theme song. Yep, like the like subsequent songs you would hear things that just came straight out of that song uh so it definitely was a trendsetter and, and i can't think of too many movies out you know outside of you know, have like the godfather score and stuff but as far as like pulp you know popular culture type music you know i think of this i think of maybe like the bloodbath song from blade i can't i can't think of any too many bangers like that that just really were so pervasive into the culture no, I mean, and it's definitely still like, still a thing, you know. Like it, it's yeah. one of those songs that just has remained just untouched. I think you know, like if you like, how many videos do you see of people like getting into like street fights online, and then people post, you know, like the Mortal Kombat music right underneath it, or yeah. just things of that. Like I know personally, like as cheesy as it sounds, it's like whenever I would like be at the gym and i'm just like all right i gotta get something to pump me up like that's definitely on like one of those playlists you know because it is yeah. just very much for, damn right for as much as yeah. it's just someone saying names of characters for a video game uh it's a pretty like that thing will pump you the fuck up but it's well, also it, it, like it, it's the perfect homage too because it has like the sound bites from the game like not only yeah, it's saying to people, but test, saying, your mic. test your yeah. mic. Exactly. You hear excellent. You know, like you hear all the stuff you heard in the game. So if you were like us who played the game, even though like that song absolutely fucking slaps, like the hundred yeah. percent, those things also like like I personally cannot hear that song a without 
of course, thinking of the movie, but it always makes me think of the first two games. Just always. Just, you know, either when they say the names of the characters or when he just says, test your might, I always think of, like, you know, that little um, interlude you do in between, like, the arcade mode where you break the bricks, you know? Um, Well, the, the other thing, too, is it's such a good shorthand to know who in the room is a video game guy because like you could be in a room with like a hundred people and if that song comes on the, the people that know know and they'll all look at each other and be like that's that shit right there so it's it's definitely iconic and it fits perfect to what the movie and what mortal kombat in essence is like the you know like the fast-paced fighting you know like the jabs to kicks you know throwing spears or what whatever ice balls but like it just makes sense whereas in other you know there's been other movies where like the theme song just does not match what you're watching or what the movie is. Um, like I remember watching the first turtle movie and there's being like a good amount of like, I don't know if you guys remember, like after the first turtle movie, it's that T U R T L E power. And it's like a straight up like rap song. And in the part two, it's vanilla ice, like another kind of rap song. And I don't think anyone would ever put those two together. You know what I mean? Uh, I mean that ended up working out just fine, but like, I just think that, there's a lot to be said about a song that perfectly matches the content visually. And I think that Mortal Kombat theme song just goes just perfectly. Perfect. Yeah, especially techno also, too, was like popping off in the 90s. Yeah, no, this is definitely like, I, I almost kind of wonder, and I know we have, like, Dave and I, we have like coworkers who may might be that them who we asked the question to but like i wonder if you play this at like an edm festival like how popular it would be you know like if it would be like oh yeah this shit fucking slaps or if it would just be one of those like or if they think it's corny now yeah if they're just like oh i think this is a song my dad listens to you know like, <laughs> like one of those kinds of things because i mean again like if i again aside from being like a good movie song like you mentioned it's a pretty good just fucking song in general. Like, yeah. uh, I wish they would have used that a little bit more in the movie. Like, you know, there, there's about two fights where, where they do play it. It was one of those things where I was like, I understand you can't use it for every fight. Uh, you know, like I, I think to like, um, justice league the, in the Snyder cut where every single time wonder woman appeared on screen. Oh my like, God. Oh, the, the, yeah. <laughs> you know, like you didn't have to do it to that point. But it, it I know we're not talking about that, but a lot of the music cues in that movie were just not it, not yeah. it. I'm, it, well, yeah. I, I will. Th- this song is so iconic. Anytime something new Mortal Kombat comes up, people always say like, uh, there had been some space of time between like the I'd say like the last engine of uh, 3D Mortal Kombat games came out, and then now they've got the newer engine, and then so it was kind of like a reboot of the series, and then when it came out, everyone's like, why didn't you use the the movie theme? Like, and then people were like redubbing the trailer with the theme and it, it just felt right. So like it, it definitely is mortal Kombat in a nutshell. Yeah, definitely. Um, so kind of just like in talking, uh, you know, about the movie, it's the, there's a tournament known as the mortal Kombat tournament, which, uh, its main purpose is to save the realm of the earth, uh, from the dark forces of the outworld. If the forces of the outworld win 10 consecutive times, uh, then the Emperor Shao Kahn um, will be able to invade and conquer the realm of Earth and enslave everyone. And at this point in the movie, they've won nine straight tournaments. Uh, and then the final one is, is taking place at the, the Earth realm. Um, 
there you know we, we kind of were introduced to Luke Kang who's uh this ex Shaolin monk he has uh he has a dream of uh, Shang Sun killing his brother, and that kind of just wakes him up in a cold sweat. He decides to go back to Hong Kong because uh, his brother's his brother's dead. Um, we also meet Johnny Cage, who's like he's every you know he's Jean Claude Van Damme. He's every like uh, '90s action star. Um, you know, we kind of see him f- uh, fighting, um, and there's like one specific extra who doesn't which it's very weird i was like how would that guy forget what to do because you know, he's fighting all these guys and then the one last extra forgets to like fall down like he kind of just freezes up but i was like i don't know that was one of those things where i was like why, how, how would you forget if why would you freeze up and forget to fall bro like everyone well, and, and, then falling. Jack, and then johnny cage gets the best recurring line in the movie he goes this is where you fall <laughs> Yeah, and so I don't know if you guys noticed, you know, so after this, he has like a, he has a little scuffle uh, where he's just like, oh, he's like, I'm going to go to my trailer and kill myself. There's like a director who's like, no, please, come on. Um, that that cameo was actually supposed to be Steven Spielberg, who apparently was an avid fan mm-hmm. of the Mortal Kombat series. However, because of scheduling conflicts, you know, it forced him to back out. But that was one of those things where 100%, you know, they were just like, who can we get to look like Steven Spielberg? Oh, 100%. Yeah. And that is just, you know, it's straight up him. Um, then we also meet uh, Special Forces agent, uh, Lieutenant Sonia Blade, um, who's looking for Kano. Uh, you know, she, you, you kind of get just a little bit of, of history of, of what's going on there. Um, they're in this, again, this big nightclub, which also re- very reminiscent of like Blade 2. That was very much a thing, like with those 90s movies, you think to like, uh, you know, Blade, this one, even um, Matrix, like big into like these nightclub scenes um and also i will say too and, and so upon rewatching this i noticed this so she's walking through the club and she's taking her shotgun and she's like pushing people with the butt of it and yeah. there's definitely a time where people in hollywood didn't know what guns look like because she's got this gigantic like three foot long mag light as her tactical light on there and it just looked ridiculous like you'll you'll see all sorts of stuff like uh, like in Terminator, he's got a gigantic scope on his handgun, and it's just like it looked cool to them. But like for like a gun person, they'd be like, "That doesn't make very much and sense." He, yeah. there, so I look at it like, "Oh man, that's a very '90s thing to get like the gun looking weird." But yeah, no, it, it definitely one of those. Yeah, like you mentioned, that I can't imagine they thought like, "Hey, twenty five years from now, there'd be people on a fucking podcast talking about." Uh, talking about that stuff you know <laughs> yeah um yeah she's after she's after you know kano who's responsible for the death of her partner uh who her partner right before jacks who yeah I, they, they squeeze in jacks real quick and then leave them behind real quick i i, I feel like it's got to be said this new jacks in the mortal Kombat movie someone like photoshopped steve harvey's face onto him because of the mustache <laughs> and now i can't yeah. I can't unsee that. That's one of those things where I'm just like, oh, come on. Like, I like Jax and I want to take him serious. But someone was like, you notice he looks a little too much like Steve Harvey. And now that's pretty much all I can tell. That's all I can see. But yeah, it's, it's again, one of those things that you mentioned. It kind of just, you know, the movie's only about like an hour and 45, I believe. So they get in as much, like even the ending doesn't leave much for like, like they're just straight up. Nope, we're setting up a sequel. Like you know, they they're gearing up to go. They're ready to go. Um, and I think part of it is Paul W. S. Anderson was a legit fan. You know, he he talked about he he played the game. So it's 
and you know clearly if this was i mean and with this new one you know in a post mcu film who knows maybe you know oh we're only going to introduce these characters and we'll reference these other characters that we'll talk about in a sequel if it gets made because there's something to be said too about like a lot of film studios they'll just heavily rely on like we're we're going to make this one movie and reference 10 things and then you know we'll get we'll eventually get to those 10 things at a future date like famously uh adam wingard who directed congress's godzilla they were they were on his dick they were like hey why didn't you put a post-credit scene in this movie and he was like well we want to see what the reception is before we just jump into anything you know yep. you could be universal and announce 10 universal monster movies and everyone who's going to play them and then you know your movies flop and you're kind of just like oh okay never, never. mind then <laughs> um but yeah it's, so the, you know the, these are kind of our, our three main protagonists and they're uh you know they're being recruited for by shang sun for the mortal Kombat tournament um Johnny Cage, you know, he basically wants to just prove that he is a true martial artist and not a fake. Because the one thing we see is that, like, in the media, they're portraying him to be fake. Like, I'm, I'm not really sure what that means because it's like, well, if he's an actor, like, clearly, you know, it's it, it kind of toes the line of like, well, clearly, it's being staged. Um, but I mean, hey, I get it. You know, the the guy had a sort of an ego problem. Um, there's a funny scene though when they so they all gather like at the docks to um to take this boat uh and the first time that johnny cage and luke king interact like i don't think they definitely would have i don't think they do this now in a movie just because it's kind of like fucked up and racist but he, you know he sees the one asian guy he's like oh here you go he's like take my bags up into the boat and he gives him money um and he just throws his fucking luggage into the river you know like it's a it's a fun little chemistry between Luke K, uh and Johnny Cage that they've kind of just got back and forth with each other. Um, yeah, they they talk about like how their chemistry. Like one of the things they talk about a lot in the interview I did with them was like how everyone's chemistry was so good and they all got along really really well and they all gave each other time to shine in those scenes. I believe what he says when he throws the luggage, where he's like, uh, "I'm glad I, I didn't ask him to park the car," yeah. which is a great fucking line. I what think a lot of those aside little things were ad-lib by by Lyndon ashby okay yeah i mean it's like you mentioned or it's like or i think i said earlier like johnny cage has a lot of just these like one-off like you know one-liners but they all work like they work in within the context of the character and the movie like you sometimes have like in newer movies where like they'll say something and you're kind of just like oh like it clearly was like forced in there um but no it very much and i think it does help too because like in that video that you did with them um you know it's like oh you find out oh shit like luke king and johnny cage are actual like really good friends in real life and you can kind of see some of that you know um portrayed on the screen as well um but yeah, you know, so they they all meet up in Hong Kong and they get on the boat. Um uh at this point with you know, they go down um Sonya Blade because she's looking for Kano, she goes kind of down into like the bowels of this boat, which also one of those things where I was just like, Okay, is this just like a straight up boat or is it almost like a cruise liner where they've all got like places to stay or what? Like, because um, Kano does mention he's like, Oh, maybe me and Sonya can share a cabin. But when like looking at this, I'm like, are there any cabins, or is it just hey, like the cabin? <laughs> yeah, 
because it, it very much just looked like a boat like straight out of like pirates of the caribbean um but again when they're in like the the bowels of the ship and sonya is looking for for kano this is where she meets shao uh shao song and uh he introduces sub-zero and scorpion um again kind of like that, that's the day where you mentioned there's the, the throwaway line of like oh you know these two are mortal enemies but you know they're working for me now because story-wise like i need them to work for me um you know it unfortunately it is what it is but it's also kind of like juan mentioned like you got you got to get everyone in there you know everyone has to go yeah. in there get their shit in um well and, and also in this scene too i believe they're homaging it in in the new mortal kombat trailer Sonya pulls her gun and Sub Zero freezes it and then you know rips the top mm-hmm. half of the gun off, and then that's what happens to uh, uh, to Jax in the new trailer. So they kind of mirror that. I don't know if that was an intentional homage, but like when I saw that, I was like, oh yeah, that did happen. So I gotta say though, like that scene too. Like I know, like we've been talking about like, how they just give you a throwaway of like Sub Zero and Scorpion, like you know, longtime enemies. But like I think the first time we see them both was such a hype moment. When, yes, you know. That it just overshadows all that because it's like holy shit! I'm seeing Sub Zero and Scorpion on my that screen. Looks so cool. Look exactly looking just like how they look in the game. That you just don't even think about like why are they together. I think that's something you like kind of like realize later on or looking back at it now more than anything. Because as a kid, like I think you're just so reactionary to what you're seeing. You know, at that yeah. age, like I was what 12, and like I'm just like holy shit! There they are, fucking Scorpion and Sub Zero. Holy crap! Holy crap! Um, I just think that's such a big moment in that movie that it's like it's almost like strategically like yo let's slip in like you know why they're not fighting each other because this is gonna be a much bigger moment than what the actual like lore of the you know game dictates. It is cool though. Too. Like you mentioned the the scene where she, he you know Sub Zero freezes Sonya's gun like that. Sure, you know it, it's like they it's in 2021 that looks a lot better as you can see in the trailer for you know this newer one but again like i remember seeing it then it's like holy shit or even you know you see scorpion where he opens up his hand and it's just like well like that again is definitely very much as age but like i don't think distracts you as much as some other cg in this movie will um but yeah pretty badass like entrances for these two and and again it's like it's one of those things that you mentioned like they very much look like their comic book counterparts and that or comic book their you know video game counterparts and that very much helps but it's also so before and you know anything goes down any pre-tournament fisticuffs uh raiden shows up you know he's the god of lightning um and he intervenes and he's just like no you know he's like there's none of this shit until we get to the island uh, and he sort of introduces himself to the three and kind of, you know, clues them in on like this. Hey, this is what's going on. You know, you guys are chosen, um, which Christopher Lambert too. like I he has this like, is it is it just the way he speaks or is it an accent of sort? Am I missing like because he's clearly like French, I believe. Um, is it I don't know if you guys know, is that just the way he talks or is it like an accent that he put on for this movie? I don't. I've never seen. Uh, what was the other one? He, he, is it Highlander? Highlander? Yeah. yeah, I've never seen. I, I've those. seen it, but I don't. I don't remember Highlander. Yeah, that much. I just thought maybe he gave that deep little like the the deep raspy voice to like, and his mind probably matched what Raiden would sound like. Even though Raiden in fighting the games is just all he does is yell, <laughs> like he doesn't really talk. And I guess in his mind, like, you know, it looks like a guy who would have a deep, raspy voice. But, yeah, the accent, no idea. 
Well, yeah. and he he was always so cheeky in the movie too. He, he was very like <laughs> he always had like a smirk and like a like a twinkle in his eye when he was saying stuff, which kind of like made me laugh because like I always thought, yeah, like in the game, Raiden's always going Argh! and like exactly. just to see him on screen like smirking and like you know just being a little goofy was kind of weird. But like I loved him as Raiden. Like I thought he looked like good as Raiden. So. Uh, so once the, once the fighters all arrive to the actual island, um, there's this big like a uh, feast where everyone's sitting around eating. Also, the food like it, it was one of those things again because it was like I watched like the the Blu-ray HD version. Like a lot of that food is clearly fake. Like it like no one was actually eating the food. Like everyone is just holding the food and kind of chewing, but like none of it actually looked looked real. Um, you know, but Shang Tsung comes in and. Uh, he wants to kind of show off. He wants to have a little preview of, of what's to come. And, you know, he brings in all these, like, uh, henchmen, basically. You know, I want to say, like, look, you know, imagine, the, yeah, his thugs. And uh, the one poor guy who's, like, sitting there just flexing off while, like, Sub-Zero is, you know, he, he's sitting there just powering up this giant ice ball. And then, you know, very cool scene. The guy runs at Scorpion, immediately just gets frozen to death. And... You know, like the our our heroes are kind of just like looking at this, like, oh, well, that's kind of fucked up. Um, also, prior to this, we do get a, a brief glimpse of uh, Princess Katana. You know, she's she's eyeing uh, Liu Kang um, as they're like heading up into the island, and and we do learn a little bit more about her backstory in a bit. Um, but you know, basically, uh, Xiao Song takes over. You know, where she's from and kills her parents and adopts her so that he legally has claim to the throne essentially um i'm sure you guys know a little bit more about her history you know be it you guys are more video game fans but um i mean she kind of has a big role in this but not as big as i thought she would yeah i mean they really (laughs) she has like (laughs) the the one thing i hate the most about this movie is she has like a really dumb line to uh Liu Kang like they're, they're fighting and this jumps ahead a little bit they're fighting and she goes to win the next fight use the element that brings life and I feel like they just told me to use water yeah <laughs> like, it's you know, to be so cryptic it's so weird it's also like there's a lot of elements that kind of bring life you know <laughs> like yeah it's just not just yeah, the one like... thing <laughs> yeah even like I remember like that specific line was one that kind of just always stuck out to me because even as a kid, it was again like you mentioned. We were just like, "What? Like there are a lot of elements that bring life. Like that is, uh, that is very." Yeah, it was just a weird riddle, just for the sake of it. Yeah, but yeah, uh, you know. So we have uh, our heroes kind of just like uh, spying on uh, Goro and Kano. They're you know they're having Kano, who like they do they do such a good job as just making him such a sleaze bag. Like this whole movie, like he's just sitting there just chewing with his mouth open, eating this giant, like what looks like a turkey leg. Greasy. Yeah. He's all greasy. And then Tim and Goro kind of just talking back and forth. It's essentially a dick measuring contest between the two, you know, it's just them trying to out alpha each other. Um, and Shang Tsung, you know, he expresses his concern that uh, Liu Kang is competing um, and that Katana may be, uh, you know, trying to betray them by allying with earth. And then Shang uh, also warns Kano uh, not to harm uh, Sonya Blade in their fight, but just to humiliate her because he has plans for her. He's he's clearly sweet on her, and he's uh, got a- yeah, uh, as well as like Kano, who 
again, just the whole movie's like these. Very, he's just clearly just a fucking creep, you know. He's like just anytime he gets the, the chance to get in some sort of like creepy one liner, he does. Um, so also, by the way, in this movie, he doesn't look like Kano from the game, but I love the way he looks as Kano. Like, yeah. And I think it's informed other versions of Kano in the different games where he kind of looks more like that, but um, definitely like a perfect casting for Kano. Yeah. So at this point, uh, Shang Tsung kind of, you know, he's, he's clued in that they're being spied on. Uh, They run away. They see uh, Princess Katana. They're trying to follow her around. They're kind of just going through, which also, also shout out to who like the props department. Cause the whole, like, Everywhere that they're going, it just it looks like clearly it's all just some giant set, but like it lo- it just looks so fucking cool. Like it's very much one of those things where I'm like, man, if I could have visited this set to just walk around and be like instantly thrown into that world, like super fucking cool. Um, but it's at this point, you know, even earlier in the film, uh, we're kind of in- we're introduced to reptile. Sh- uh, Shang Sun tells him, you know, keep an eye on them. And uh, at this point, when Luke Kang's like running around looking for for katana um he see like he sees reptile and reptile sprays him in the face i think he just hisses at him real loud or maybe even like spits in his face and kind of fucks off um but then yeah they, they kind of you know they wind up back into the in that throne room that kano and uh goro are in and this is the second instance that we hear that mortal Kombat theme song start to play because all of these uh you know henchmen shang Tsung's warriors they come in and it's just three of them at first and you know and they kick their ass they fight and there's you kind of they like you mentioned like uh raiden being just like a little cheeky at this point he's just sitting on the stairs and he's just clapping and he's like wonderful but what are you gonna do about them and all of a sudden there's like 40 dudes just standing right behind them which like very much it's a movie trope where it's like okay but what about them because in real life like they probably would have just came in and started to just like fight them um yeah you know but yeah raiden's like i don't know you know shows a little glimpse of his power and they kind of walk away and one of my favorite another johnny cage line you know where because he has uh some sort of like staff or something and they're walking away and he gives it to a guy he's like yeah he's like you're lucky he didn't let us fight you and just like walks away um but uh sonya you know she winds up fighting kano and uh kills him you know, that, it's one of those things where he's like, give me a break. And she's like, okay, again, very 90s, very 90s, these lines. And then she she also does it doing an actual move in the game. Oh, really? She does that handstand and she grabs him with her legs. That's that's a move in the game. Yeah, her. that's her That's her throw. He also, like, brandishes a knife. And in the game, the blue, you know, the blue thing he throws is a knife. Like, he's yeah. known for using knives. So they definitely, like... You know, that's one of the things in that movie they did really well of is just like injecting those little subtle things that yeah. a fan of the game picks up on like right away. Yeah, if you know, you know. Well, I know Bridget Wilson, she also performed all her own stunts and all her own fight scenes. And she, she dislocated her shoulder at one point because of this. Um, but I, from what I read, they were able to just kind of fix it. And it was, you know, just that one time that it happened. Um but yeah, so you know she she defeats him. Um, we get this cool scene with Johnny Cage fighting Scorpion. This is always a scene that again that I remember where they're they're in the forest and uh, you know Scorpion's you know famous get over here and his little 
reptile thing that comes out of his hand is just chasing him and it's just a little too short uh eventually they go to some they're back inside the castle they're fighting this is you know again the scene where scorpion takes off his mask and reveals you know like what he actually looks like with the skull and everything um very kind of just clearly some sort of like animatronic again you know there's a lot of animatronic and like uh non-cgi stuff being used which I, I found was fine you know like there's a scene again you know uh johnny cage he's killing scorpion and he's sort of just like melting um very fun scene very fun fight like th- that's the one thing too i will say about these fight scenes is that um like they're not they're, it's not too much like cutting away and stuff like that you know like it's they're they're pretty they're pretty fun fights to watch well yeah, yeah. so uh you know weird spear aside you know again in this fight scene they use you know he's got his spear and then also that teleport is another move that he does he teleports them into the castle and then that flame you know the skull with the flame that's one of his fatalities so again another reference to the game uh and kind of like the last of these like uh you know killing off the 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 villains is um when luke hang kills sub uh, sub zero which again kind of like a weird scene too like how he does it because uh he realizes like oh okay you know it's water use water against him and he just throws the water and it forms into a spike and goes into scorpion which i'm like okay that was pretty easy like it at least with like the scorpion fight johnny cage put up put up more of an actual fight as opposed to this with luke kang i felt like with luke kang being like the main character he should have gotten like the longer more drawn out fight um but what's it it's interesting because, like, I think that Scorpion Johnny Cage fight was initially shorter, and they did a whole bunch of reshoots to make the fighting scenes longer. Because, like, I think the first draft of the movie or the first cut, they realized that the fights were kind of short, and there was a lot of fight, a lot of just fight in general missing. So they had to like reshoot a lot of that stuff, which like ended up being like budget budgetary things. Were like, all right, we, we gotta reshoot the fighting scenes, but like we're not gonna have enough to reshoot and the effects. So I think a lot of that stuff ended up being choreographed. Like the fight choreography ended up being like Robin Shu and like Lyndon Ashby and all that stuff because they had the background. Um, it's like, I mean, which is a great call because you can't have a movie named Mortal Kombat and then like the first cut is like super lacking in like fighting scenes. Yeah. Also, during that Scorpion scene, he does this really cool. It, it reminded me of like the Princess Bride where he does like this... Uh, this pole move he's like swinging around on this pole and then he jumps up and grabs a board above him and he's up there and then scorpion goes get down here that's pretty funny um so after you know they they defeat sub-zero um goro then enters in the tournament and at this point you know we've only kind of seen goro walking around and just being menacing he's he just starts defeating all these other combatants uh, including Art Lean, who's Johnny Cage's friend. You know, he's kind of just very temporarily like introduced. Um, and then his soul is also taken by Shang Tsung, who Shang Tsung is walking around just stealing people's souls. Like that is the yeah. other thing he's always like, your your soul is mine. Um, which I kind of in, in talking about uh, Carrie Hiro, Hiroyuki Tagawa, he was um, Paul W. Anderson's first and only choice for uh, Shang Tsung. He came to the audition in costume. Uh, read his lines while standing on a chair and uh Shane Sung's he and in this film at least he's depicted as younger um because they didn't really want to waste money on makeup to you know make him look older but I think he he's awesome as Shane Sung like um 
Perfect. That jacket is that jacket is tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he was so good as, as Shang Tsung that they put him in as as a skin for Shang Tsung in the new uh, Mortal Kombat game, and it it fits, it works perfectly. So, no, definitely. Um, yeah. But so after this, you know, they're kind of just like sitting around, like they feel they at least feel defeated because they're just like, what the fuck are we going to do about Goro? Uh, Johnny Cage then takes it upon himself to, to challenge Goro. Um, and then but before that, Shang Tsung makes a stipulation that uh, he, you know, he can choose to challenge um, anyone, you know, despite it was a very weird stipulation where he's like, all right, you know, just who doesn't matter which one of you guys win. Um, I I want to choose you know the next challenger at a venue of my choosing. Um, Johnny Cage defeats Goro, which like again watching this as a kid, very much just like, oh yeah, that's exactly what I would have done because he just kicks Goro right in the dick, and then you know runs away and then uh, very just very much just like sneaks up on him, kicks him off a ledge, and you know we see him fall to his death. Um, I like Goro how he looks in this movie again like very much of its time because he's so clunky in the way that he moves. And I believe it was in, in the, in the interview you did Juan where they talked about like how much money they spent on just like, yeah, on this fucking dude. Um, well, so it was also to me, like upon rewatching, it was very clear that they were really kind of stretching out the scenes with him in it. Even when he wasn't doing anything, like they were really showing off the, uh, the, uh, flexibility of the animatronics because there was a scene you know right before he beats up like a hundred dudes where he's just literally sitting there like moving his neck around and yelling he's just going for like straight two minutes and they're just like put this thing on the screen as much as possible so uh i thought that was pretty funny yeah so uh after you know johnny wins shane sung uh, kidnaps Sonya Blade, invoking his stipulation from earlier, and then uh, disappears into the outworld. Raiden explains to Luke King and Johnny Cage that they have to go there without him because he, you know, he can't help him over there. Um, but also, Sonya's not gonna be able to defeat Shang Tsung and you know, in combat. Um, so one of them has to go instead. Uh, in the outworld, Luke King uh, successfully kills Reptile. Like you know, we actually see him take kind of like more of a human form, uh, and they start to fight very cool scene too where like you know he, he defeats him and you see like the little like lizard man in him coming out and it's just all bugs and worms like uh just like kind of like a cool visual where like Amory even as a kid i was like oh was like disgusting um but yeah. he does that, that he does that weird when he stomps him at the very end he does that weird like super elongated like, ah, ah. <laughs> like you would think you would hear that from the person getting I guess killed or whatever, uh-huh. but you hear from the actual person doing the killing. Yeah, it was again like I. I who, so I, I think between between Luke Kang and um, Johnny Cage, I think Johnny Cage is definitely my favorite fighter in the movie um, because of like there wasn't any sort of like weird things like that, any sort of like weird noise effects. Um, but also, I think just because Johnny Cage is just so charming, you know, like there's even the one scene where Sonya's like. Uh, we're right before he's talking about he's gonna challenge Goro, and she's like, "You're the dumbest, the selfish, most da da da." And he's like, "Yeah, I'm also the most handsome, you know." Or even like in that fight with Goro, Goro breaks the sunglasses, and like right before he kills Goro, he's like, "Those are five hundred dollar glasses, you son of a bitch!" Like, you know, just, the dude just as much as you're supposed to kind of like hate him for being so full of himself, um, 
you, you gotta love the guy um yeah but princess katana reels you know she she lets him know what happened in the outworld again her lineage how uh shing sung killed her parents and then adopted her uh and the three of them disguise themselves as monks they go in the emperor's castle uh the black tower <clears throat> where sonya is being held captive um princess katana and johnny cage free sonya luke king challenges shang sung to mortal combat this is again the we hear that fucking music start to play again um they they fight it ends in victory for luke king and and the realm of earth and uh you know we, we kind of go back to oh we, you know we do see the spirit of so that's the thing uh chan is uh luke king's brother um we kind of you see a spirit his soul basically he comes out and he he, he kind of has that final moment of like um of release he's able to closure i guess is what i'm trying to say yeah he has closure with his brother because that that's his whole motivating factor is he feels guilty for leaving you know like he feels maybe if he would have been around his brother wouldn't have died um but you know he, he's finally able to get that closure um you know we're kind of back on on the earth realm uh luke kang and katana you know they're arm in arm you know same thing with uh, johnny cage and sonya blade uh they're with raiden and um there's definitely no more animosity like it's kind of just like oh okay you know sweet they're all celebrating uh but again like i mentioned it's it, right away it's very much uh emperor shao khan you know he he shows up and he announces that he's come for the souls of uh everyone who's who's left basically and then you know raiden and the rest of the fighters they get in their fighting stances and you know again you hear mortal Kombat cuts the credits um i i love this movie you know like again say what you will you know maybe this newer one will be better or you know maybe other video game movies you think are better like i personally love this you know we've mentioned it's very much a product of its time but for a movie that's basically about like an hour and a half um i think it's it's pretty watchable it's enjoyable like um i mean i don't know if you guys have shown it to you know younger like to, to your guys' kids like i don't know how they would how receptive they would be to it especially again like i think we we have the luxury of like oh we know how bad these movies used to look and how amazing they look now so we're able to appreciate like the hard work that clearly went into putting this um but like yeah i think at the end of the day like i would very much recommend this to to anyone and like i i love this movie uh yeah so for me like Mortal Kombat's been a big part of my childhood, and uh, you know it's still here to this day. Um, the thing I like most about Mortal Kombat and the movie together is that there's like a lot of like connective DNA with other things that I've liked. So, like for instance, I I always felt, and I don't know if this is true, but I felt like Mortal Kombat as a game took a lot of uh, inspiration from Big Trouble in Little China. Yep. You know, you see Raiden in there. Um, <clears throat> There's even there's one scene where um, some guy's head explodes, and it's similar to like a fatality that they've used before. You also have, uh, you know, the original Shang Tsung looks like he was based off of Lo Pan's character. So I loved all that stuff, and there there were things that I recognized in the game that I from that movie that I loved. And then also a lot of this reminded me, uh, Juan. I don't know if you remember, there used to be a show called WMAC Masters. Yes, sir. And Hakeem the Machine is in there. He, yep. he faced Liu Kang. And then also in WMAC Masters, Ho Sung Pak was the guy that played Liu Kang in the game. So there's like all these little interconnected things in, in all these three things that I loved. 
Um, so, you know, to see this movie become realized was a great joy. Um, there were things that I, I didn't like when I first saw it. Again, like the, the whole treatment of, of Scorpion and Sub-Zero, and especially they get dispatched pretty easily. Um, but again, I realized that you really can't do a proper Scorpion and Sub-Zero story like that in that format at that time. Um, they made some interesting choices, like like Berto said, to get everyone in there. Um, but as a whole, yeah, like, you know, we have... We have the the favorable, you know, rose colored glasses where we were like, when we saw it, it was amazing. It may not be amazing now. Um, both my stepsons have seen it and loved it. I don't think my daughter would like it, to be honest with you. But um, no, it was really good. And you know, we we talked at great lengths about the iconic theme song. But when you mentioned uh, the ending, the ending song is also great. You know, where they're at the they're at the temple and everyone's running, and then they had a really good dance song at the end you know right before the ending where Shao Kahn shows up um it was just really uh again it was the 90s encapsulated uh it had a lot of my favorite things and it it did uh it did a lot a lot of things really well um for the time and I think it holds up well I would recommend it to anyone that's a fan of arcade games or video games in general yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I could talk about this movie all day long, and it's definitely in my top five favorite movies for me personally. Like, I, a lot of things I think I, I feel the same way. I feel like the connective tissue it, you know, that movie has with a lot of things that I loved as a kid, you know, martial arts, movies, you know, TV, but most importantly, just video games and movies were two things that a I wasn't just used to seeing, you know, be put together, and b like. When you're growing up, you kind of feel like you're in this little bubble that you're like the only one that is into video games because your parents really don't get it and like they really don't care about it. And it's just you and your friends are the only ones who kind of care about that thing. And to see it in a movie where everyone's kind of either talking about it or seeing a packed movie theater um, or just the fact that that movie's even being made is kind of a surreal experience. And I think looking back at it with, you know, 2021 goggles, it's definitely not the perfect movie. But I think it just like it's more of a nostalgia thing where like looking back, it just brings you back to where you were in 95, you know, as a kid. And but like it also it did a lot of things right that a lot of video game movies just never get right, you know. So um, I definitely like there's just so many things about the movie I love. I love the little subtle like the announcer, you know, throughout like when Reptile turns into Reptile, you hear Reptile, you know what I mean? Like the the subtle moves that we talked about Sonya and Johnny Cage does his you know split legged you know nut shot um there's just so many things that appease us fans in that movie and watching it now you still kind of pick up little things here and there uh that that's what makes the movie for me and as long as the movies that are based on video games pay homage to that and don't kind of, and kind of like reward you for being a fan of both I think is a, a win-win. So that's like that's why I love that movie so much. And I haven't. I don't think my kid has seen it just because she's not into martial arts like that. And she's also thirteen. Like she's a, she's just into Fortnite now. So she's like that's not her jam. I think she like it because it has humor and it has you know the, the the fighting is in two like inside baseball where like the fighting scenes are super long and drawn uh you know drawn out. But um, I actually got to sit down and put it on and see if she'll sit through it. I don't think she would, but I could be wrong. There's so you, you, 
uh, kind of like the reoccurring theme i think that from like the three of us has been like you know it if you if you're a fan of of the games it kind of pay, <clears throat> it kind of uh rewards you for it um which is kind of interesting so when w when new line cinema um asked if he wanted to do the sequel he was already working on event horizon as paul ws anderson um so he wasn't able to do it but then he later expressed regret because um mortal Kombat annihilation you know not i don't know how you guys feel about it's it unloved. It's, it's not love it's not loved by a lot of people um and because of that uh it was one of the reasons why he did all the sequels to resident evil because he wanted to stay with the franchise and and make sure that like and it's you know say what you will about the resident evil movies you know whether or not they you know those paid off you know long term if you were a fan but the reason that paul w anderson sticks stuck with those for as long as he did was um because he he sort of he he regretted not sticking around for mortal Kombat annihilation which like i mean we don't have to get too far into it but like i kind of mentioned it to you guys um off off the air like i remember parts of it like it's it's not as uh iconic clearly as you know as this one but like i don't know is that is that a movie that you guys also look fondly back onto i mean not as much as the first one there's things like again they did a lot i mean they did more things wrong than they did right it was like the opposite of the first one but like we got to see Cyrax, right? Like Insector. Again, two things where you're like, I'm never going to see that in the movie. And boom, you got it. You got Jax's metal arms. You know, you got so, uh, real Sub Zero without the mask. Um, there's a lot of things we got. You know, we got Shao Kahn. We got, there's a lot of things we got in that Annihilation that was cool to see. But like the presentation was just a little lacking. I mean, let's just throw away the story because that's just like, I think we could all agree the story in Annihilation is just like ridiculous. And the dialogue and the, the catchphrases are not as solid as the first one. But again, like me being a person who concentrates on the positive, like a lot of the characters that, you know, were established in Mortal Kombat 2, which is, you know, probably of the first, I would say two and three is like where Mortal Kombat really found its legs, especially with the yeah. characters. Um, we got a lot of that cool stuff in Annihilation. It's just like, that movie's just overshadowed by just like you know the shortcomings of like, you know some of like Sindel phrase like you know too bad you will die and like, you know um, wolves like you know that's my animality delivery of that whole dialogue is so like campy and bad but yeah. like you got to see an animality on screen you know for a, for a hot second you know you got to see the like a lot more characters in in Annihilation now, you didn't get to see in part one where it was like just super concentrated on that one story so like you know annihilation is one of those things that you take the good with the bad even though there was more bad but you know what are you gonna do i i don't look back at it like i can't say like i'll i go back i'm like i need to watch annihilation again because I, I i i gotta be honest i don't but i could you know i like it for what it is what about you yeah Dave? i mean but for me personally <clears throat> i think i've only seen it once maybe one and a half times and it had a very um, direct-to-DVD quality. or I mean, DVDs weren't even around back then, I don't think. But, like, um, to me, it was bad in the ways that, like, the Street Fighter movie was bad. Um, th th there was a lot of camp and a lot of things were there that you could say, I know what that is, but this isn't quite <laughs> what it should be. And so... Um, so when you say, like, how do I look back on the movie? I don't often look back at it. <laughs> um, I prefer to look back at the original movie. Um, 
Because again, like I said, there were things that I didn't like in uh, you know the first Mortal Kombat movie, but like the essence of it was so marinated into everything in the movie. It, it was really a no changes were made out of cynicism. You know, I, I really do believe that they all the changes that I didn't like they were done because they thought this will fit the story a little bit better. Um, and so like the love of the game, you can feel a little bit more authentically in the first one. Um, that's not to say like, I know people that like annihilation. Um, and so I, I don't hate them for it, but, uh, I can't count myself as one of those people. So, uh, so Juan, just because we have you here and, uh, cause again, and with, uh, everything you didn't know, you actually talked about the, uh, the Mortal Kombat cartoon that came from this. Um, yeah. You want to just uh, talk a little bit briefly about that? Because again, it was a, a big thing in the nineties where like, if, if there was a, if a movie was a hit, they would make a fucking like animated show off from it. And you know, you had like the mask animated series. You had like everything, like almost everything had like, I think there was at some point like a dumb and dumber cartoon, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. But like Mortal Kombat almost feels like something that would be perfect. Like as a children's cartoon. Yeah, yeah, it's it's weird because like that fact kind of started in the eighties. Like to give you an idea, like Police Academy had a cartoon, you know, like yep. that was just it was just the thing where like the success of a movie once it hit in the theaters, they're like, all right, we need to, how can we build on this to make it, you know, basically maximize uh, monetizing based off the success of a movie. And yeah, like throughout the nineties, like you mentioned, you know, The Mask, is Ventura, yep, Dumb and Dumber had one, Jumanji had one, like that was just like it was just part of the course, right? And of course, you know, Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat both got them. The Mortal Kombat one is just interesting because the thing people need to understand is like you have when you make content, you gotta always consider the audience you're making that content for. So when you're making Mortal Kombat for kids, it's it's a weird place because like in one hand, you know those kids are playing Mortal Kombat in the arcade and it has blood and it has violence. But you can't sell that to advertisers because at the end of the day, you're doing this to make money. Right. So you have to compromise in different areas to make that content. And unfortunately, that's something that the cartoon suffered where they had the characters and for the most part, the characters were like looked and felt like the characters you saw in the games and in the movie. But the whole thesis of the show was just like and we said this in the video of. The everything you know video about that the Mortal Kombat cartoon that it felt like they were trying to like shoehorn Mortal Kombat into like an X-Men kind of show where like they're a you know they're a team of superheroes who have to like you know different instances save the world and you know like well what what do these teams usually have? Well they usually have like a vehicle they'll travel in all right cool like, let's give them an airplane you know like oh well, usually these people have like a command center okay cool like, let's give them like this their headquarters right and it's kind of like they're trying to serve different masters, but also like I think this happens in like rush jobs where it's just like we have, you know, we were given this task by the studio to make a cartoon out of this franchise. Like, what do we know about it? Like, oh, shit, we need to start reading up. But it's like, well, let's just do what we, we know is successful in this field where we make them a team. You know, we get voices that all the kids recognize. We make sure the characters look authentic to the video game so they can make the connected thing. And then we'll see what happens. And that's kind of what happened. It, you know. I think it only lasted 13 episodes, if I'm not mistaken, around those lines. Um, I mean, it's again, looking back at it, like when I was watching it again, I was like, man, this is like, this is ridiculous. Like, um, but like, 
again, it's something that's bad, but you look back at it and like it just brings you back to that moment in your life. So you, there's kind of like an, a positive aura around it, even though the actual show wasn't great. You know, there's things that like a lot of Mortal Kombat enthusiasts just don't consider that cartoon canon to you know, the franchise or the movie, because there's a lot of things that they kind of switched, whether it was on purpose or by accident. Um, but it's just like looking back at it, you know, I don't fault them for trying to, you know, build more success off of the movie and the games. But yeah, it definitely wasn't a cartoon that was like, oh, man, this holds up because it doesn't. <laughs> it really doesn't yeah i remember watching again watching your video and it was yeah it was very much one of those things where it's like oh i will get all the enjoyment out of watching this video more than probably actually watching the cartoon um but hey uh thank you again juan for for coming on like i mentioned uh there's whenever you know dave and i are kind of just talking about movies and stuff it's and and your name comes up it's like oh this guy knows all about tmnt and mortal kombat you know um experts on those and i'm sure when we do uh you know a ninja turtles episode we'll, we'll definitely have you back on um is there oh, on there before we let him go you know i mentioned wmac masters what what was your recollection of the show how did you feel about it so all right so w, it's it's interesting because like you guys you guys know and you guys also uh, i'm a big wrestling fan so like that show was like the next show after superstars for me right yes yes and obviously that's what they were trying to they're trying to build off the lead-in um, which is like superstars. Let's see if people will stick around for W WMAC Masters because they used to do that with American Gladiators. Like they're putting yes. those things together, like wrestlers and you know bodybuilders in American Gladiators. My recollection was it where I remember like I never I was like because they try to build story around. It always felt like you know when you go to like Disney World or Universal where it's just like today at two p.m. there's the martial arts show on the stage next to you know this role it, it felt like that it felt like a stage martial arts show but yeah. i never kind of understood like i'm like is there a story here is like you know i, I just it just never matter is, is this like a competition and reality tv wasn't like popular yet so like they, it, it was just like one of those things where, like i don't know what to do with this i don't know how to digest this I'm just watching people do cool moves, but they're not really hitting each other. So, like, is this, like, the martial arts version of wrestling? Like, it was just me trying to figure out what it was. Um, now, looking back at it, I, you know, working in the industry because I work in television and content creation, I, I understand what they were going for. Um, but, yeah, I remember as a kid, I just did not get it. I didn't know what to do with it. I just know, like... I gravitate, you know, as a kid, you always gravitate to like the the character that you like the most because of the color, because of their look, because of their moveset, whatever it may be. But I just remember for that one, I just I couldn't call it. I was like, I I don't I don't know when I'm supposed to like, like I I yeah I just remember that. Uh, yeah, like I remember like I like we mentioned before in the movie when when that dude made the appearance in the fight with Luke Kang. I was like, oh, you know, it's like the the DiCaprio Once Upon a yeah. Time in Hollywood meme, and you're just like, hey. I know that guy. He's the guy from that, you know, martial arts thing. And he's on other stuff, too. He's like a big yeah. martial artist. But, yeah, like that show, I to this day, I'm trying to figure out what the hell it was supposed to be. Well, like, so for me, again, like same experience with you. It came on right after Superstars. And like me being like a big wrestling fan, that, sh that shit was like right up my alley at the time. And so like in my head, that was definitely them trying to capitalize on like Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat and wrestling. And they just mashed it together. And so 
there would be like they were in competition, like they would beat each other and then they would collect each other's coins. And when you collected That's enough right. coins, you could fight for the dragon belt or whatever it was. Um, and so that they would have all these characters like Tsunami or Superstar or, you know, Hakeem the Machine. And so like to me, it was like this cool, like wrestling concept. And then they had Bruce Lee's daughter, Shannon Lee, was like the announcer from WMAC headquarters. So like at that same time when, you know, you're a little kid and you're suspending your disbelief and you're like, wrestling's real. In my head, I'm like, wow, the, look at these competitors just fighting for the the prestige of the dragon belt. <laughs> so, um, like, I love it. And I've always been trying to find, like, a, like a remastered copy or something. And there's people that sell, like, bootleg DVD sets of it. But um, all I can find is, like, really grainy, shitty copies on YouTube of certain episodes that I remember. But um, Yeah, same here. It, it's, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's weird because, like... Um... It always felt like this is what I was trying to say. It felt like a TV version of a martial arts medieval times show. Yes. You guys yeah. ever been to medieval times? Like, yeah, it's all scripted and it's like all a show. This felt like that, but martial arts. Yeah. And there's like weird, like backstage drama. Like, you know, one guy's like, you, you promised never to use that move on me. Yeah. <laughs> and you did. And so I'm angry. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I I thought it was funny, and like I said, it's very much connected to like Mortal Kombat and the movie. So I love seeing it. Juan, is there anything you wanna you wanna plug uh, before before we head out of here? Uh, no, I mean, I mean, look, uh, I would, I think the everything you know series that we did at Sci Fi Wire, you could go back and watch it whenever you want. We did so many episodes, so like I would plug that just because it's you know. I think it's a great way to look back at the shows that, you know, we all loved as kids. Um, I got some stuff, you know, coming up in, you know, in that. So stay tuned. Um, but no, that's pretty much it, man. I um, These days, I'm just trying to take it a day at a time and, you know, more work than passion these days. Because um, working from home, I'm sure, I mean, I'm not sure you guys are probably not on that boat. But like, I just been home for the last year. So I'm just trying to, I, I'm, like, I see the end of the tunnel on this whole situation. So I'm trying to get there and then figure out from there. But I think EYDK and all the episodes we've done are something. I, that's pretty much the only thing I could plug at the moment. I got some stuff brewing, but I don't want to. I don't want to speak too soon. I gotta say, I'll definitely recommend again the series. Like it's it's a thing where whenever anyone at the shop brings up, like someone brought up Bobby's World the other day, and I was like, you, I'm like, here, I'm gonna send you this video. I'm like, you gotta watch it specifically because from that, there's a what is the the fucking the da na 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 that uh what is it the role oh that? yeah the NBA, NBC theme yeah. yeah where I'm like that song was just stuck in my head for days because you just kept playing it throughout the episode <laughs> um and yeah so like if anyone listening is into old cartoons definitely check that out uh but Juan thank you again for coming on um yes, and you. uh for, for, um, for everyone listening uh that's been this week's episode of uh Scrump and Stank's family video uh so for Scrump and Stank's family video I've been Scrump and this is Stank. I've been one. All right, we'll see you guys next week.